things in life are going to be really scary and you might feel like you don't want to do them. But that regret of not even trying is almost more painful and having to think of, well, what if, well, what if, what if I did do this? And um, to me, that was almost more painful than, than not, than trying. Welcome to episode 21 of Find Your Light, the podcast that helps women in theater take center stage in lives they love. I'm your host, Emily Stamets. Today, I've got a really cool guest for you. Her name is Amanda Hibschman. She's an award-winning San Diego-based registered dietitian nutritionist. She's passionate about making food fun. We are going to talk today about what it looks like to have weight-neutral health advisement, which I think is super cool, and also about... Amanda's love of theater and also show choir, which I also think is super cool. Content warning on this is we do use the F word, so be aware of who is around and who's listening when you enjoy. All right, without any further ado, here is my conversation with Amanda Hipschman. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Um, food is my love language, so I'm especially excited to talk about some nutrition stuff. Um, let's dive in. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about your, I know you do lots of things, but let's focus on theater to start with. How did you get started okay. in theater and how did you get to what you're doing today? Sure. Um, so I actually started in children's theater. So when I was like five years old, I was like, mom, I want to be on stage. I want to do theater. And her and my grandma would always take me to, it's not around anymore, but we'd always go to Starlight Bowl mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. San Diego down at Bubble Park. And we would watch shows when I was super, super young and we'd have picnics. So I had really great experiences with theater. Um, and so as soon as I turned eight, she enrolled me in San Diego junior theater. Cause at that time it was really like the only thing in San Diego, the kids these days have a lot of choices now. Yes. Um, <laughs> the kids these days. I started taking classes and doing crew for productions, um, ushering all the shows, doing hair and makeup, but like having someone take over for me at a certain point. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, just starting my journey there. Um, and then I, we moved, we moved away. And then when we came back, I, um, you know, when I was in high school, I was like a little too cool for school to do most of anything. I just wanted to go like punk rock shows and like, <laughs> wear all black. And, um, so then eventually it was like, um, maybe I should like, go back and do theater again. And so I did. And it was kind of like a welcome home. And it was just mm -hmm. such a good, comfortable, amazing feeling. Do you uh, remember what the impetus was to get you back? Was there like a specific moment? You know, I think that it's just something that's always, it's, it's kind of been the thing through my whole life where it's just this longing. It's like, oh, I really feel at home and comfortable on stage. And if I'm not doing that, then there's just this natural draw to come back to it. Um, uh, there, you know, there, I think that in school is like maybe getting in trouble and, um, and your parents, I feel like when you're doing that, your parents are always like, what's a good healthy outlet we could get you involved in. Hey, this is something that you loved. Let's do this again. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, me being like the punk rock chick going to junior theater, it was, 
you know, I was like, probably should have been an outcast, but I wasn't. And everyone just like accepted me for who I was, um, which I think is such a huge testament to the theater community in general is, you know, just accepting you for who you are and, um, and welcoming you. So that was awesome. Um, and then once I graduated, it's kind of a, you know, if anyone's ever done, or if you've ever done like a children's theater, had a theatrical home, then it's kind of scary when you leave that, right? Cause you're kind of, you know, all the people, you know, the situation, you know, the, how to audition, you know, um, what crewing a show is going to be like. So then I kind of went out on my own and was like, well, I still really want to do theater. Maybe I should major in college, but I'm not going directly to college. Um, so just really kind of trying to find my way um, in what a post high school theater experience would look like. Um, so I took a really long time to get my degree because I started out, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the community college and do theater there. I was an actor at SeaWorld. I um, just kind of did a bunch of stuff everywhere. Um, lots of community theater. And then um, I was working as a waitress at the Cheesecake Factory, and <laughs> I um, I kept having a really really hard time getting shifts covered for um, for different shows that would come up, and it was just really frustrating having that um, that type of schedule that just fluctuated. And I was like, I just need a nine to five job so I could do theater in the evenings. So I took a position in a doctor's office. I never thought I would ever go into like a medical field or um, I, I was like, oh no, all I do is I'm, I'm in the arts. That's all I do. And I'm just going to have this stable job so I can continue to do that. Uh, and I ended up falling in love with medicine and um, decided, you know what, I'm going to change my major completely and go to school to become um, a physician assistant. Wow. So you changed from a theater major to, was it like a medical, what was it? Was it um, med? So, or was I was, it- so um, in order to become a physician assistant, you need to basically just get your bachelor's in and anything, preferably science related, okay. um, it'll make it a little bit easier. So I was kind of looking for a program to where I could go on to become a physician assistant. And I was like, you know what? Nutrition's interesting. The doctor I worked for was kind of holistic and we did a lot of nutrition there. Um, so I was like, you know, I'm just going to give this a try. I had no idea what a dietitian even was. It wasn't even <laughs> on my radar at that point. Uh, so I started, uh, all my classwork for nutrition thinking I'm going to, you know, be a PA or a doctor. Uh, and then I started going to the program at San Diego state and really loved it and fell in love with, um, uh, you know, just really helping people uh, um, through wellness. And I've always been a cook. It's, I've never really thought of it as anything more than just, I love to cook and I love to eat. So it was kind of a natural, um, a fit. It was kind of a natural fit for me Perfect. to go down that career path there, you know, to become a dietitian, it would, it's, you, it's a pretty competitive program. Um, Cause you have to, there's a lot of schooling that's involved, then you have to do an internship afterwards and then take your exam. So I was really, um, even though I initially took the position to be able to do theater and that time I'd gotten married and I was in a really tough uh, program at school. So I didn't really have a lot of time, extra Mm -hmm. time to do theater and do, um, shows like I wanted to. So, um, I just kind of, again, wasn't doing anything in theater, but I was really focusing on my career and um, how that was going to develop. So then I became a dietitian. Um, and Yay! Then, 
finally it happened. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> and shortly after that, I, I started my a family with um, having my kids. And so shortly after um, my daughter was born, I was kind of like, you know, I really don't feel like I'm me because I'm, you know, mostly at home. It's you just totally changes uh, your life. <laughs> and I was like, I just really need an outlet for especially performing because it's been so many years now since um, while I was going through my nutrition program, I just need something. So that's when I uh, auditioned for a singing, a vocal ensemble that does musical theater. It's kind of like a musical theater choir. It's kind of like Glee, but for adults. Oh my God, that sounds amazing. (laughs) amazing. Um, Tell us what it's called. We'll give them a shout out. Yes, it's Encore Vocal Ensemble. Perfect. Um, Yes. And so I was like, this is perfect. It kind of fills my needs. Um, And then, so I auditioned just to be a singing member. And then of course that was five years ago. So I've taken on board positions and choreography and it's just kind of grown from there. But um, so that's kind of where I'm at now is I'm performing a lot with Encore Vocal Ensemble. And then I, um, I have a private practice and do a lot uh, on that end for, for, Perfect. Okay. So now you are, that was a little bit of a snapshot. Now you are doing, uh, you're performing with the musical theater. It's like, like show choir. (laughs) So great. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love. I think that there is absolutely like, there's such joy in that kind of performance for the audience and the performers. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Can I cuss on this or no? Yes, please. Okay. One of my, uh, it's really strong this, this year, but one of my like life mottos is if it's not a fuck yes, then it's a no. And I find that especially now and every single season that I have to think, okay, am I going to be doing this again? Am I going to like go every Tuesday and rehearse and put all this in? It's always a fuck yes. Like hands down, no questions. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Um, I, you know, your, your journey of sort of like diving into theater and then leaving for a bit and then coming back is very parallel to my own experience because I was, um, I taught theater for 11 years. So I was like theater from 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night. And then I would go home and I was part of a nonprofit theater company as well. So it was like all theater all the time. Um, and then I left after nine years in the classroom to get my education degree. Um, and I did only schooling for a couple of years and it was weird, but it was also a really valuable break and, um, perspective and just like having the distance, I think helped me to realize that I really did want to come back when I was ready to come back because I got kind of burned out on all of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it got to the point and I when I came back from that education program too, I was doing some work as like technical directing for private schools things like that. But it felt so much more like a job than a vocation as it had mm-hmm. before. So then, yeah. So then it was like, I gave myself a couple years, even after that, where I was like, I sort of dabbled back in it again and then gave myself a couple years to like, just do other things. Um, and then I finally decided like, okay, I'm ready to come back. Like I I finally miss it. It's been long enough. Um, but that, that break was really important. Yeah. 
It's, yeah. I agree. I feel like it is very therapeutic and like what exactly what you said, it's perspective. It gives you a perspective and it kind of puts you in control of, okay, well, now that I have all this other life perspective, I can decide how I really want to um, mm-hmm. use my skills, use my talents and be the most effective at, um, and also enjoy yourself too. Yes. <laughs> that's a really great point because instead of just, I feel like in high school and undergrad, especially it was like, this is the show that's happening. So obviously this is what I'm going to audition for and I'm going to take whatever role I can get. Um, and now it's more of, do I want to commit to a four night a week rehearsal schedule? Do I want to do a six nights a week rehearsal schedule? Can I do like, I just, I just closed a show that ran for five weeks. Can I, do I want to commit to five weekends in a row of like not really being able to do much else with my weekends? Um, and so, but now being able to say, I'm only doing it for fun. I'm not doing it because it's the only thing out there. I'm doing it because I intentionally decided to do it is so important, really powerful. And I think that you can form very strong bonds with people in the community when you come to it from that place versus competitive or competing Mm. against each other. Um, it's, Huge. Maybe it's just that, like, I'm I'm older and wiser now, and so it's not like that at all. Um, but definitely coming at it with a, more of a compassionate lens um, can can help your relationships. Yeah, that's a really good point. I've been talking a lot about making friends lately, oh, and yeah. it can be really challenging. Like, we, j- my husband and I, just moved to remote. Not just; it's now been a couple of years but I still don't feel like I have the friends base. Um, And so now going back and like doing the show that I just did, I now I'm like, oh my gosh, now I have friends in the San Diego area. And it just feels, it's such a great way to like meet people that I think are really fascinating. It is. It really is. I feel like all my friends, they're either dietitians or they're an encore. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing wrong with that though, because they at least share your interests in one of those areas. Yeah. Super cool. So, um, okay, sorry, that was all a super tangent from the actual question, <laughs> which is give us a snapshot of what you're doing now and like what a typical day looks like if you have one. Sure. Um, so I have, this is kind of a loaded question with what I do because I, I, I don't know if you've been able to tell that I kind of wear many hats and do yes. many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the big things that I do is I teach uh, healthy cooking classes at the Naval Hospital. So that's been awesome and fun and I love teaching and I love cooking. So, um, that's been pretty wonderful. And I do that two days a week. Uh, and then I do other like culinary jobs on the side. Uh, and then I also have a private practice where, um, which is fairly new. And I, so I don't, I I think that this kind of applies to when you're writing blog posts, developing podcasts, starting private practice, you kind of have to niche down Mm -hmm. and, determine who your avatar is going to be, who that um, ideal client is, right? So as I was going through the process of figuring out, okay, what population do I want to serve? I kept thinking, well, like I'm an athlete because I dance and I I run. So I would like to serve athletes. And I also want to serve artists because the performing arts um, are so important to me. So I've kind of tailored my practice to really focus on issues that artists and athletes, which are in high school, we're led to believe that they're not similar, but they are so similar in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm nodding emphatically. <laughs> uh, there, it's very similar. All of the the health and nutrition related issues that artists and athletes. Uh, encounter are very similar. So really focusing my practice and my, my niche on, um, 
really nutrition for artists and athletes uh, has been, has been what I've been doing. So I've uh, been doing a lot of work. I just, it's probably not, I should update my bio now because I just received this yesterday. Um, I'm a certified intuitive eating counselor. <gasps> Congratulations. You know, yeah. Which was a lot, many hours in studying for, mm-hmm. but uh, I have, I absolutely love this approach. I learned about it a little bit in college, but it's not really uh, traditionally taught in, mm-hmm. in, in nutrition programs, uh, because it's really taking the control away from someone like a dietitian and saying, no, 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 you know, your body best. You, we're not going to listen to diet culture around us. We're not going to think of what we should look like. We're really going to focus on our internal hunger and our internal satiety and what foods and we really actually like and let that inner intuition kind of guide our eating. Um, so that's what I do a lot uh, in my private practice and I have some online courses that I, I do that with as well. Um, so that's kind of my approach to working with people is, is, is more coaching them into how they can make healthy decisions and have a good relationship with food. So what are some of the issues that you see in both athletes and performers? Um, so the first one that I see a lot is actually fueling for your performance. Um, so when you're, when you're performing on stage, you're a, you're a dancer, you're a singer, you're a performer, you're using your body. And so you actually need to fuel it appropriately. And I think that there's a lot of misconceptions out there with, um, because we also have the body image aspect of it. Right. And so people are constantly being told, Oh, you should go on this diet or that diet or this diet. Um, so a lot of the times they're not really fueling themselves properly. Um, having, um, having proper snacks with them to make sure that they actually have the energy to get through their rehearsal or, um, or their practice. So I feel like everything, even though I work with athletes, I still call it a rehearsal. Counts. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's a big aspect of it. And then I, you know, I mentioned body image. So there's also, you see a lot of eating disorders, whether, um, it's restrictive or it's kind of led more to, um, just not really being in tune with, with those hunger signals. So whether it's just disordered eating um, or a full-blown eating disorder, we see that a lot. Um, And then there's also, um, since I I sing, I'm really uh, attuned to issues for (laughs) that singers deal Mm -hmm. with. A lot of times there's like, if you ever like get that uh, flemminess, sometimes it could be related to gastroesophageal reflux disease, BIRD. Um, So figuring out maybe some underlying GI issues that are going on that are really affecting your performance. And a lot of the time there's stress involved, right? And stress affects our gut. So uh, I I do a lot of gut health um, and then eating disorders, Uh, eating disorders, intuitive eating, and then actual breaking down. um, Okay. You need this amount of carbs and this amount of protein and this amount of fat, especially if someone's running a marathon or they're Mm -hmm. Um, in rehearsal all day long and dancing all day long, how, what, what specific macronutrients do we need to get in you to fuel that? So mm-hmm. that's kind of the the specifics, but you know, there's, I, you know, I think everyone's the same uh, artists and athletes are also the same as the regular population, right? So they still can have diabetes. They can still, um, have, have liver issues, have, 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 have different, um, you know, autoimmune diseases that can still be treated nutritionally too. So I work with that as well. Awesome. Here are those. Yeah. And in your bio, you, you use the phrase, um, weight neutral, oh, yeah. and I'm curious what that means to you. Yes. Um, so there's, uh, 
a movement that, again, it's not really taught in traditional um, nutrition programs, but there's um, the Health at Every Size, or HAYS, was a study that was piloted by a researcher named Linda Bacon. And she did this study and then wrote a book later about it, uh, where they were looking at um, basically the health of can can you um, have better self-esteem, better biomarkers, and we not focus on weight at all, right? So uh, it's, it's really just de-emphasizing weight and, and not because, okay, let's, let's say this way. Okay. So if someone is overweight and they go into the doctor and they say, oh, my knee hurts, the doctor will say, maybe you should lose some weight. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, okay, well, that's just going to be, um, that could be a traumatic event for them that could uh, make them feel guilt and shame and put all this pressure on them. Like, okay, well, if my knee hurts, that's the only thing that will help. But if a thin person went into the doctor and they were told, then they went and told the doctor, oh, my knee hurts. The doctor would say, well, let's get an x-ray for that. And maybe you could get some physical therapy. Maybe we could do some strengthening exercises. Um, So there are therapies that can help outcomes without focusing on weight whatsoever. Um, And I think a lot of the times dietitians can, because where it's constantly part of our schooling is like, well, you know, you want to lose weight that will help your cholesterol. But there have been many studies that have shown that it's the behavior behind it and it has nothing to do with weight that that can that 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 can um predict the outcome or or give you um uh, predict health or or influence your biomarkers like your cholesterol or your blood pressure that it's really the behaviors um so there's i I don't have the, I, I can pull it up and get it to you. So there's uh, another, <laughs> I'll add it to the show notes for people yeah, who are listening. Yeah, <laughs> there was another, there was another study that, um, it, it, you know, it, it kind of looked at everything. It, it was like a meta research of all of these studies that show mortality increases with weight. Mm-hmm. And, um, they don't tease out things like smoking or drinking, um, or lack of exercise. Right. And there's actually, then what they found is that your life expectancy actually goes up with more weight. If you are doing these healthy habits and having these healthier behaviors. Wow. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of research and there's a lot of movement behind, um, the health at every size principles and way of practicing. So it's kind of a paradigm shift though. And it's yes. really because true. our social norms tell us thin is healthy, which we exactly. all know in our brains is not true, but exactly. it can be really hard to fight that because it's been ingrained in us since we were children. Right. Exactly. It really is. And you know, we, the, the thing that I don't understand is how can you tell someone with an eating disorder who's maybe underweight that what they're doing is not healthy and that they shouldn't be doing that. But then you have someone in a larger body telling them to basically do the exact same thing. You're telling someone in a smaller body is unhealthy to do. And that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, that's, that's almost unethical. If you're saying, no, 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 limit your calories to about half of, of what you actually need. That makes no sense to me at all. Um, so 
seeing that really cemented that I can't, I can't practice in a traditional way. It has to be weight, uh, weight neutral. Um, in fact, I don't even really, I don't even talk about weight or weight clients in my practice at all. Um, so because it really doesn't, to me, it doesn't have any, um, it doesn't play any role in how I'm going to treat them and what they can do to fuel their body the best way. Yeah. That's awesome. Especially when you start working with, um, I mean, there's so many, I don't know, weight is just such a ridiculous marker. I think it's a thing to know about yourself the same way that you should know like your cholesterol numbers. Um, but when you start working with populations like athletes, then you've got like, what is, um, an effective, what's what I'm looking for? like a, a performance weight for a marathoner is not the same as what's a performance weight for a football player. Um, and so then like, why would you even pay attention to that at all? Yeah. And I love that sort of teasing apart healthy behavior from the scale because the scale really is pretty arbitrary. Yeah. And it's, it, it really kind of gets in the way of, of, what you think about yourself, what you think about your body, how you're going to eat that day, how you're going to eat later. Um, are you going to reward yourself because it, it went a certain direction? Or are you going to eat less because it went a certain direction? Um, so I really try to avoid it, but there are some, there are some populations that you do have to use it. Unfortunately, we have to, when I do blind weights, but, um, you know, even I, so in the military, they have to weigh in all the time because I, I work on base. Uh, and I'm always, I just keep questioning, well, why does that matter? If it, you know, if they are able to run and they're, and keep up with everyone else and they're able to perform their duties, why does it matter? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but unfortunately that's. <laughs> yeah. And it's not like we walk around, um, so I used to work with people, uh, as an online fitness coach. I oh, yeah. still do here and there. Um, but it, I would have to remind people, you don't walk around with like this morning's weight tattooed on your forehead. Yeah. Nobody in the world knows, nor do they care what your, what that number is. Yeah. Um, so we can use it as information because it is information, especially if you're watching it daily and you're watching the trends and paying attention to what does, what affects it. <clears throat> But it is, um, it's certainly not anything that changes your value as a human being or changes what you're able to do. So absolutely not. And it also fluctuates for so many reasons. And we just internalize that as, you know, this is, this is not a good thing, or this is a bad thing because society tells me that. And it's like, okay, so maybe you had a little bit more sodium with with your dinner last night and you're retaining more water. Okay, maybe you're actually hydrated. Okay, maybe you're building <laughs> yeah. You know, there's so many reasons why that can fluctuate mm -hmm. and um it's very hard to take an objective view of that in the society that we live in. That's really true. That's really really true. Um thank you for all of that. Yeah. It, informed information. It's really helpful. <laughs> Let's get back to theater. Although, of course, what you do as a dietitian is going to inform this as well. Um, tell us a vivid memory that you have of the theater. And it could be something, a performance that you've seen. It could be something you were in or that you worked on. Yeah. I had, so it's really, really hard <laughs> to choose one because I've had some pretty incredible um, experiences in in the theater. And I love going to, as much as I love being on stage, I love going to the theater and watching, um, magic happen on stage. And, um, 
I, so there's a couple that always come to mind and all of them involve when I go to New York, I think there's just something, there's something magical that happens in New York city when you go (laughs) there and you see a show. Uh, so I saw one of my all time favorite shows is Sweeney Todd. And I saw the recent revival where they transformed a pie shop into, or a, 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 a theater into a pie shop. Okay. There was just long tables and everyone kind of sat community style at, at the table. And it was very immersive and they were dancing on the tables and it was a very minimalist orchestra. So it was the most recent off-Broadway run that they did. And it was so cool. And I saw Carolee Carmelo and Norm Lewis <laughs> as Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney Todd. And it was like all my dreams coming true. <laughs> uh, so that was very cool. Um, and then what, else? oh, and then another one, the, probably my favorite one is when I went to go see 25th annual Putnam County spelling bee in New York. And I got to be one of the onstage spellers. I did too. We're the same person. Yeah, we're, we're exactly. It was like, I was so like, cool. Please, please harass me and make fun of me and mock me some more on stage. It was so good. It was so great. Uh, what I think one what of the things that you get out on uh, oh my gosh, it was so. It was, this was in it was six, so I don't even remember my words. I should have probably written them down um, and had them tattooed on my body. Um, but I, I think one of the things that I loved about it so much is how good they were at guiding us around. Yes. Yes. just fearless, like stand here and move here. And they would just like move my entire body or like pull me to sit down or make me stand up. And they yeah. were so good at it. I never once felt like I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. That's, that is so true. I felt like I was in such good hands. Yeah. Yeah. It, was it felt so, really safe. Very safe. And I was like, William Barfy's just like pulling me up and pulling me down. This is so cool. <laughs> it was very cool. Um, I still have my pin. Did you get a pin? Like a button? Uh, I don't remember if I got a pin or not. Oh, I got my button that said I was a speller in the... Oh. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I don't think I did because I would not. I would never have thrown that away. So I know it's one thing that has survived many, many clearings of just like random sentimental stuff that I try to move through every once in a while. But I keep. That's one thing that I really keep. I love it. That's so cool. So you know exactly how cool that memory. It was the coolest. (laughs) And I feel like it was what like ten? No, not more than ten years now. Maybe ten. Yeah. Yeah, it was thirteen for me. Fourteen years ago. (laughs) Gosh. It was like, yeah, it was, a, it was a while ago and it still is just like it happened yesterday. Yeah. It was very awesome. So the word I got out on was dengue and which oh, is like dengue fever. Like dengue fever. Yeah. Like, like diarrhea, like really bad. And I had no idea what it was. And then, I, and then I go from there to like the medical field with it. All that transition <laughs> happened like the next year. And I was like, I feel, oh, why did I know that? <laughs> There's an H in it, right? It's got like a silent H. D E N G U E. And oh, is it really? Oh, that does sound right. I think it's D. I think maybe I put an H in there. Mm. I would have gotten it wrong. I would have put an H in there. We'll put it. In I, so I also would have gotten out. <laughs> I think they had to force me out. They had to like give me something ridiculous. Oh, that's fun. Okay. That's why it was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, I think it was a word I'd never heard of. Yeah. So, you know, you give, you, you give it a valiant shot. <laughs> they get to a certain point in the show and they can't really move on with extra people on the stage. So they're like, all right, let's keep having you Just keep going. <laughs> so funny. Well, so the fun. evolution of that show too is one of my favorites because it started in a basement. It started with them just doing like 
little performances and then it evolved and they kept workshopping it and it so it did have that really community like spelling yeah. bee feel to it. Yeah. Was I, like I feel like the guy who was the the what's his name? The the judge, the announcer. Yeah. Oh, what is his name? There, he it like it almost started with him just doing improv. It was almost just like improv comedy with him and and Oh, it could have been. That's <laughs> we should look it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Or if anyone who's listening in the future knows uh, the story or was part of it, please let us know. Yeah. Um, Super fun. Yeah. That good, good memory. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good memory. (laughs) Really good one. And I had friends in the audience and now that I'm thinking about it, that was, um, it was like a month after I started dating the man who's my husband today. I'm like, me too. What? We really are the same person. That we are. (laughs) So crazy. Well, now we know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Amanda, what is the most important lesson that you have learned in the theater? Um, That's, I feel like there are so many good lessons to learn. Um, So... I, another, I kept going back, but I was like, this is also kind of a vivid memory that I have. Mm -hmm. And it was also a really tough lesson that I had to learn. So when I first started doing children's theater, when I was really young, my comfort zone was on the crew backstage, not on the stage. And I really, really wanted to be on stage because all my friends were doing that. And I was like, oh, I just really, but I would get so scared to audition. Um, And so they were doing Peter Pan. And there's, that's a great opportunity for really little kids to be a lost boy or be a, I don't know. What, what else is there in Peter Pan? Uh, and, and there's pirates. There's, huh? there's mermaids. There's pirates. There's. Yeah, yeah. So there were so many opportunities and I signed up to audition and I chickened out at the very last minute and all the parents were coming over to me and they were like, just, just go in and sing, take me out to the ball game. Just just go in and just sing something and just do it. Uh, and I just got too scared and I, I didn't. And the second that auditions were over, I immediately regretted it. Um, because, and that was, that was really a huge lesson to me that things in life are going to be really scary and you might feel like you don't want to do them, but that regret of not even trying is almost more painful and having to think of, well, what if, well, what if, what if I did do this? And, um, to me, that was almost more painful than, than not, than trying. Right. Cause you know, you go in there auditions are and now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, auditions are horrible. <laughs> now <I know laughs> They're horrible this. for auditions. everybody. <laughs> They're horrible for everything. This is a very normal experience that I was, um, the feelings that I was feeling and it was a very normal experience. Um, so I, ever since then, when I get scared for performing or, raising my hand to sing a solo or going in an audition for something, I always think of nine-year-old me and what I would go back and say to little nine-year-old Amanda. Um, and that, that the regret of not even trying is huge. And that what, applies in life. What would you say to her? Um, probably like, I know you're scared right now, but you are worthy and you have so much talent and the people in that room are looking for you to succeed and they're your biggest cheerleaders and everything that happens in that room stays in that room and you have absolutely nothing to lose for just trying your best or just trying even if it you know it's not your best and you could have done better that's okay um and just just being encouraging and you know 
that that's that's what all the other wonderful parents and all my friends were trying to do to me at the at the same time too. And when you're in the middle of that, and especially as I having a, a six year old daughter now, I see myself in her so much, and I go back to that memory all the time. Yeah, that's so hard. And it's not like as a parent, even I can imagine you can't you can't force her into it because that'll be even more traumatic. <laughs> Exactly. It does have to be something that you learn, you know, kind of trial by fire. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that experience definitely made me who I am today and just going after what I want and being ambitious and, you know, not wanting to feel that, that regret, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. That's a really good example of how, um, we can be just as motive. I don't, you really like the word motivation. I, I have a strange relationship with it, but we can be just as driven by, fear in a way than we, as we are by the things we want. Yeah. And it's okay to leverage both of those. Yeah. If you do something because you don't want to feel that regret again, that's just as valid and just as useful as if you're doing something because you can, you have the excitement of the vision that's in front of you. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. What are a couple of skills or habits of mind that have been useful to you as an artist? Um, so one thing that I'm really working on right now is, uh, like mindfulness and staying centered. Um, and I think that that, so I just went to this, um, workshop that was really more geared towards professionals and it was like bringing presence to tough conversations and, um, and and how can you do that? And I went to that right before I had to audition for my singing group. (laughs) <laughs> for for our solo auditions. And so I was like, every single thing that I just learned at this workshop can help me when I audition. So it was like staying ground, like just physically grounding your feet. And, um, you know, having uh, one of the things I was kind of developing is like having like almost like uh, mudra in, in yoga. Yeah. And so for that. podcast listeners, she's holding up her hands and sort of like the okay symbol. Yeah. Yeah. But like relaxed, like subtly, but like subtly instead of having my open hands and I'm kind of manic. So it's more centering and grounding. Mm -hmm. Um, and as my mind starts to float away with, you know, as you're singing a song and you're connecting with something, you want to be centered on the subject matter and connecting to the character versus just what am I going to make for dinner? And I need to go to the store after this. (laughs) And that's not helpful. Um, so really right now, I'm really focusing a lot on being centered and being mindful. Um, do you have and, some tips or strategies that are working for you to do uh, that? Uh, I really the the finding a finding almost like a physical comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, like what what I mentioned with like the the okay sign, the subtle soothing thing, and it's almost like I'll like rub my fingers together. And um, I do this. I have a tendency to walk around as I'm performing. I will walk around and talk to the audience and I just, my feet can't stay in one spot, but actually the more I'm just planted can help me stay more centered and more focused on what I'm actually doing. Uh, So making small changes like that. And then just, you know, deep breaths, (laughs) deep breathing, (laughs) Um, and really just being aware of every time that I'm not, um, you know, a lot of the time for me, if I'm singing a song or, uh, I'm, I'm noticing that I'm not connecting with the material. It's usually from a place of insecurity that all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, this note's coming up, this note's coming up. And then I start feeling that my body and I start tensing up, but just 
bringing it back to no what are you seeing about what are what don't don't worry about those notes you got those notes focus on what the material saying focus on um what the character is feeling and go to that place that you know of and just trying to stay just being aware of when that's happening mm-hmm. and bring it back redirecting it that's a really good point i love the the fingertip too what that's doing and it's like it's not just a hippy dippy like yeah. <laughs> like woo woo thing it's it's literally um our fingers are charged electrically which is why you can why phones work why touch screens work um and so when you are touching your fingers to your thumb and creating that circle you're closing the electrical connection and then allow kind of like recharging yourself which i think is really beautiful um and what an easy way i'd never thought about it. i do that sometimes when i'm meditating when i feel like i need that but I never thought about just doing it like on a regular basis. That's really interesting. Yeah. And I actually, I had never thought about it while I'm performing or like auditioning or anything like that while I was, uh, until I went to that workshop and I was like, dude, this is going to be so easy. Cool. And it's not even noticeable. It's almost just like, like a subtle, um, hand emotion. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having an open hand like this, it's almost more like this. So not that so do you do that okay. while you're performing too? Huh? You do that while you're performing? Well, we'll see. We'll okay. See. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Cause it's just a trick I just learned. So, um, awesome. it, but you know what? I feel like my biggest issue is with auditions and when I perform, it's kind of separate. It's most of that stress goes away and it's more of, I need that to help me through, um, <laughs> the terribleness of auditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So a couple other skills. Another one that I think is really important is, um, so if you went into rehearsal and you didn't know your lines or you didn't know your blocking or you didn't know anything, um, they'd be like, what are you doing? What are you doing? We're mm-hmm. not going to sit here and hold your hand through this. Right. So you have to practice at home. You have to come prepared. Right. And you have to put in a lot of extra work outside um, of the space. And then when you're with other people, you're rehearsing, you're, um, you're really creating your art at that point. So coming prepared to things is huge. Yes. <laughs> Whether you're a stage manager and you're, you know, planning your, your light cues and everything in advance, you can't just show up to the show and be like, okay, so what are we doing here? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> I have been in that show um, and it's terrible. So no one I can't that. imagine. No one wants that. Don't be that person. Um, I love that. A thing that I have found often, so I work as a life coach um, for women in theater specifically, or it, not exclusively, but mostly. Mm. And anytime we're feeling like really nervous or fearful, often it comes from just feeling like it's a lack of preparation. There's a lot of other things that go into it too, but a lot of times the way to get through that fear um, is to just practice more. Like it's that easy. Absolutely. If what you're afraid of is I'm going to forget my lines, sit down and run your lines with yourself again, right? Like it's not that complicated. Um, but I think we let it be really nebulous, like, oh, I'm afraid of all of the things. And then we yeah. never actually take action on it. But that preparation piece is such an easy way to be like, okay, well, I'm nervous, but that's useful energy. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be afraid anymore because I know that I know exactly what's coming up and I'm prepared. Exactly. And you know, if, if one way of, of practicing isn't working for you, 
try another way. If you're, you know, record your lines on a, on a tape player, write it down, do figure out a method that works for you. And that takes some research and preparedness as well to mm-hmm. figure all that out. So yeah, definitely. Oh, awesome. Good tip. Yeah. Okay. This is my favorite question. And it's the one that always gets like an, Ooh, um, what is something that you do in your performance work mm-hmm. that if I did that in my life, my life would be better. This is such a great question. This Thank is you. Question. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I, you know, I think it, it, for me, and I do, I do this. I, I, I find this connection a lot uh, with my work is that when you're playing a role or you're singing a song or you're dancing, or even if you're playing music, you have to connect with it, right? You have to connect with the character. Let's say we'll, we'll go back to Sweeney Todd since it's my favorite musical, right? So let's say I'm playing Mrs. Lovett in Sweeney Todd. Like I still have to connect with her. I have to find the humanistic qualities about her. I have to, um, even though she does horrible things at the end, like you still have to find what's human about her and make her likable and really just connect with that person that you're playing, right? And so if you then take that and you try and form those connections and really dig deep into the people in your life and see, okay, what uh, what's likable about this person? <laughs> what makes them human? Um, how can I connect with them? Um, and just look at people as um, people to connect with. Uh, I think that you can get to a much deeper place in a much deeper space. Um, yeah. And just, you could have a lot more empathy for yeah. people. And then that translates to the world. I mean, the world needs a lot more empathy. True. <laughs> amongst people. I would use that strategy with my, with my most difficult, um, I don't want to say difficult. Let me say challenging students, like, and in the way that like they would challenge me as a teacher that when I was like, Oh, I just like, Oh, this kid, I wish they would stop coming to my class. You know, I'd rather them ditch every day than, you know, um, than have to deal with them. But when I would just stop and like take a breath and, and remind myself that they were a person and find the things that were lovable about them, it changed everything about those relationships. It doesn't wow, make them less challenging, but it made it easier for me to deal with and for me to come in with presence into that situation. Exactly. Because you could always, uh, that's, that's such a wonderful example of how to use that because you can get down when you, if you're in a fight with someone or um, there's just someone who kind of, oh, just rubs you the wrong way, mm-hmm. really just stepping back and being like, okay, how can we, how can we love this person? How can we find something to connect to? Um, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Good tip. Good tip. Now that doesn't mean, I just want to throw in the the caveat here that that doesn't mean that you should like stay with people or stay in the presence of people who are actually toxic or harmful or dangerous. But, uh, so love in those instances, love yourself enough to get yourself away from it. So just to be super clear on that, we're talking about like non- abusive, non-toxic situations here. Exactly. Exactly. The the, the relationships you want to foster. There we go. Yes. That's a good one. (laughs) Or the ones that you sort of like have to, like with coworkers, things like Mm -hmm. that, that I know I had to deal with this person on a regular basis. Well, let's make it easier. You know what? But even, I think you could take that into someone who is toxic and, um, you know, that maybe there is like a bad relationship. So like, you don't necessarily want to go in and deal with that relationship from a, attack and you know combative mode so if you kind of come into it like okay well how would I want to be treated then you could have very um 
clean, respectful communication um, where you're in control, right? True. Um, you know, so you even, even though you don't necessarily want to foster those relationships, <laughs> you can still use it to communicate in a respective, respectful way. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And then, and then that I think that puts you. Not necessarily. In, in, I love that the phrase you used in control. So it's not necessarily being in control of them because we can't ever be in no. control. But being in control of yourself and no. of your reactions exactly. in the situation. Oh, yeah. so good. Such a good one. <laughs> oh, this. We're already at this question. Should theater be required life curriculum? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Why? Absolutely. I almost feel like every school should be a theater school. Moving <laughs> 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 arts school. No. Um, I know, you know, because there's so many soft, soft and hard skills that I feel like I've developed that make me a stronger candidate for different jobs or, um, just being a parent, uh, being a friend. So, you know, from things like being more comfortable on, uh, to present on stage, right. When you're an actor or a performer, you have to basically put everything out there. You have to be very vulnerable and put everything out there um, on stage. So I always say to myself, if I can do this on stage, I could probably give uh, give a talk to five people in a conference room um, who, are, who are probably judging me a lot less than um, than a whole audience that are that's paying. Um, so you know, taking skills like that um, that are obvious and overt. Um, but then also the connections and the, you know, knowing that maybe you're not going to get everything. I feel like I, it's taught me how to handle rejection. Great. <laughs> not great, but like better than <laughs> would have. <laughs> mm-hmm. if I didn't have that experience um, from a young age and knowing that, Hey, sometimes it really isn't you. It has nothing to do with you. Maybe the other person got the role because they have blonde hair and you have brown hair. Um, Maybe their voices blend together with whoever else they were going to cast. And although you have a wonderful voice, it it just didn't mesh well or, you know, mesh well. Um, so there's so many things that can go into that. And I think that you learn that along the way um, to be resilient. And that's just something that maybe that everyone kind of needs. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You're so tentative, but it's true. We do. Everyone needs it. There is, there is rejection. There are times that we don't win no matter what path your life takes yeah. because we're not supposed to, right? We're not supposed to have everything be super easy. Yeah. And how to take it with boys. boys. No, that doesn't always happen, but you know, you have a lot of opportunities to practice that. Um, and then, you know, just, it's fun. It's a good, uh, it's a good outlet. It's a good release. Um, <laughs> for creativity, um, there's lots of bonds that can be formed in theater. Um, it could, you know, it keeps kids away from uh, you know, <laughs> rock. On the streets and nobody, you know, like on, on the <laughs> or their screens, you're getting into trouble, right? Um, I know that I feel like I was, you know, I was like getting into trouble when I was a teenager, and then I started going back and doing theater, and it was like, no, I don't have time for any of this other stuff, like. I got to, I got to go to rehearsal. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, I think that especially in like high school and middle school age is a huge, huge thing to add to the curriculum. Agreed. Okay. Amanda plant a seed in the hearts, minds, spirits, or all three of the people who are listening today. I just, I feel like I just want to encourage everyone to be their authentic self um, and just know that they're they're on the planet for a reason and it's to be them 
to be their genuine selves and that we don't necessarily need to fit a mold of what society tells us we need to be, whether it's um, diet culture, you know, going back to that, you know, like whether it's the outside telling you what you're, the patriarchy telling you what you need to look like or dress like or um, any of that. You're your own unique, wonderful person and you have your own uh, point of view to bring to the world. So just you know, and there's, and going back to the theater, there's roles for everyone, right? There's roles for everyone. There's, um, artists are artists and you don't have to look a certain way and you need to respect yourself and respect your body. Um, and just embrace your authentic self and live life on your own terms. I think that's, that's, what's important to me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda. If people who are listening want to hire you, work with you, find out more about your work and what you do, what is the easiest way to find you? Yeah, I'm so I am on Instagram and Facebook at at Amanda the Dietitian. And my website is amandathedietitian.com. That's and, easy. Yeah, I have, so just like two little things. That, so I mentioned I've, I'm doing an intuitive eating e-course. Mm-hmm. I launched in January and I'm actually working on a reboot. That's intuitive eating for artists and athletes. So that's going to be coming later this year. Uh, if you're interested in that, you could sign up for my newsletter. And then once that actually happens, then I can send out information that way. Um, so that's all on my website at amandathedietitian.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time and your energy and for connecting with me, um, this morning, this morning, this, I guess it's afternoon now, um, it's 1230, whatever. Um, I'm still in my leggings, so (laughs) the day's barely started. Um, and thank you for sharing your experience and your courageous thoughts with us. Great. Thanks for having me. Well, listeners, I am, in fact, still in my leggings today as well. That's what I've got for you today. Remember to subscribe, leave us a rating, and tell your friends so they can subscribe to this podcast as well. If you want to chat about what you've heard, learn about upcoming episodes before they drop, or just say hello, you can follow Find Your Light Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at FYL Podcast or on Facebook at Find Your Light Podcast. And remember, you can email me and my cat anytime at podcast at emilystamets.com. Until next time, stand confidently center stage and enjoy your show.